This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, take them with me, if you will, and turn to the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, and we're going to go to chapter 14, if you will. We'll be dealing with a very familiar passage, and uh, you, you know these stories that we'll be talking about. But the truth of the matter is, every time you touch the Word of God and open it and read it for yourselves, you give them an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. It doesn't get old just because we've heard these stories for years and years and years. And the Holy Spirit can speak newly to us and give us fresh words, fresh encouragement, fresh truths. The Word of God hasn't changed, but He reveals new things to us through His Word. And so as we go into this passage tonight, I want to pray and I'm going to ask the Lord to speak through me. And I would humbly ask that you would pray with me tonight and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. And that as we go out those doors tonight, we go out different than we came in. Closer and closer and closer to the Lord. Let's go to Him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for giving us the opportunity to hear You speak to us. Lord, this world is crazy. We're surrounded by conflicts on every side, controversies difficulties and stresses, but Lord, we know that you're in control of all of these things. So Father, tonight I pray that you would help us to quiet our hearts as we hear your word. I humbly ask that you would speak to us through your precious word. Father, I pray that you would help me tonight to be filled with all the fullness of you, that nothing that I do or say would detract from your word, that everything that we do tonight would be glorifying and honoring to you. Lord, you know our hearts tonight better than we know them ourselves. Guide us and direct us in your truth, we pray. We love you and we ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To begin tonight, I want to ask you a question. Have you seen that God is good? We, we go through this life and we deal with trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. And we have mountaintop victories in life, but then we find ourselves deep in the valleys of life. You've been to those valleys? It hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. And it's, it's, it's devastating to life when we go and we seem to go from valley to valley to valley to valley. And oftentimes we end up on mountaintops. And we're encouraged in those moments, but we're looking ahead at that next valley ahead of us. And we anticipate valley after valley when the reality is that God has called us as Christians to live on mountaintop and look towards the next mountaintop because we know as God is good here, He's going to be good in the valleys and He's going to be good on the mountaintops. And so we ought to live, rather from valley to valley, we ought to live from mountaintop to mountaintop. Tonight as we look at this passage in Exodus chapter 14, we're going to see a victory played out before us. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 21 that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and the cloud and the troubled the host of the Egyptians. 
And he took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Can you put yourself in that moment and watch the chaos unfold? The great joy of seeing the waters part. You step across on dry land. What a miracle God had wrought. You see the Egyptians pursue, and you can imagine the hearts beat a little bit faster as they saw the Egyptians pursuing them. But then God troubled them. The chariots fell apart, and the Egyptians felt fear, and they said, let us flee from this God because God's fighting for them. You know that God fights for you in the midst of battles. Our God is faithful to us in every step of the way, but watch on as it goes. It says in verse 26, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were as a wall unto them in the right hand on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw... That great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Do you see the reaction of the people to the goodness of God? They feared the Lord. This isn't a trembling fear. This is an awe fear. They looked at how mighty their God was. Now, if you were to go on and read in chapter 15, we will not do that tonight for the sake of time. If you read on in the beginning parts of chapter 15, you will read the celebration song of Moses. He goes on to describe how mighty our God is. And let me tell you, the same God that was there in those days is the same God that delivers us today in the midst of adversity. He hasn't changed. He has not slacked. He is amazing. And you've seen Him work. You've seen God answer your prayers at times, haven't you? You've seen God step in and part the waters in life. You've watched miracles happen, haven't you? It's amazing. It's exciting. It's encouraging. And as a church, when we see God step in and work, we get so motivated to keep pressing on, don't we? Until the valley comes. We watch in this instant one of the greatest supernatural miracles unfold in the history of mankind. God stepped in and delivered them in the most visible and miraculous ways. Many of the miracles we witness today are unseen by us. We'll see God heal something and we don't watch it actually physically happen, but we know that God was involved. We see answers to prayer and we're delivered from some sort of a trouble We don't know how it all worked out. We just know that God worked it out and we praise God. But can you imagine watching waters part, stepping on dry land, watching the waters come crashing back in and then singing and celebrating the way they celebrated? Take your Bibles with me, if you will, to chapter 15. And I want you to look with me in verse 22. Now, uh, if you look in verse 20, you'll see Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out 
with her timbrels and dances. And Miriam answered, answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. We see Moses has sung his song of praise. Miriam has led all the women in a song of praise and dances. But then we get to verse 22. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. I want to draw your attention to a few things from this short passage tonight that follows one of the greatest victories and one of the greatest miracles that we see in the Old Testament scriptures. Watch what happens. Because what you're going to see unfold before you tonight in these few verses is your life story if you're not careful. Because we live the same way over and over and over again. The first thing that we see here tonight is the reality. If you look with me in verse 20, it says, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When Moses led them from the Red Sea, he didn't take them to a normal trade route where people were. He led them into the wilderness, and we may question that. I believe God was leading him, and he was just simply leading where God told him to go. But here he goes out into the wilderness, and the Bible says they went 30 days without water, right? No. Three weeks? No. What was it? Three days. Now, I want to look at the reality of that situation. How long have you gone without water before? Well, you may have gone three days. But the reality is these are people who are being led into the desert, into the wilderness. The reality of the situation is this would have been scary. In fact, this could have been terrifying. To look and to see no water ahead of you and to feel that there was no hope. They had just come from a miracle of water. They had just walked away from seeing God work and God delivered them and immediately they are faced within three days with the reality that circumstances aren't good all of a sudden. And maybe in your life you've watched God work wonderful miracles but then immediately after the miracles, immediately after the goodness, immediately after the celebration, bad news comes. You ever got bad news? We all have. And the whole world seems to fall apart. Is God still good? Absolutely. But there's something that takes place in the heart of man where doubt creeps in and fear creeps in and maybe pride creeps in and we start to think, God, I know my situation better than you do and I know what I need and you're not stepping up to the plate, God. Isn't it amazing how fast we can turn our backs on God? Or maybe turn to him and throw an accusing finger at him and say, God, you're not doing what you told me you're going to do. God, you're not providing the way you said you were going to do. You see, the reality is in the Christian life, we are going to face troubles and trials. Not all of them are persecutions. Some of them are just the difficulties of life. It's a very real thing that we face troubles. And you know what? If you haven't faced them recently... 
They're coming. We all deal with the reality of heartache and trouble in this world, but how we react in the midst of it says a lot about our character. Look at it for this perspective for a moment. Are we the church? Certainly. We are the church. We are God's children. We are the bride of Christ. And what does it look like to the world when we go out and complain about our troubles and our trials and our difficulties? Hi, my name's Joe. I'm part of Good News Baptist Church. I don't believe God is faithful. How are you today? Well, we wouldn't say those words, would we? But don't we truly demonstrate that by our testimony repeatedly over and over and over and over again? I'm a child of God, but he's letting me down right now. I'm a child of God, but he's not delivering on his promises right now. I'm a child of God, but, and you can fill in the blank with the attitude that strikes your heart the quickest. The reality is, if we are the children of the Almighty God, and we know that God is good no matter what, can we not trust him in the trials as much as we do in the triumphs? He's always good. Always good. And here we look at this passage and we see what is their reaction First, we look at the reality of the situation. I want you to look at the response of the people. Look with me, if you will, in verse 25. It says, when they came to Mara. Now, the word Mara simply means bitterness. Remember, this is a reality. This is a bitter situation if it's a difficult time. When they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara. Can you imagine the elation of seeing an oasis of sorts? You see water, you're thirsty. You're not only you're thirsty, but your family's thirsty. You ever had to watch your children suffer? Oh, that's horrid. The reality of the situation is it was a bitter situation. The waters of Mara, for they were bitter, but therefore the name was, of it was called Mara, and the people murmured against Moses. This is the idea that they, they literally stood against him. What's your reaction to bitterness in life? What's your reaction when you enter into the valley or you foresee that you're headed into a valley? Because your reaction, whether you like it or not, is your testimony for Jesus Christ in this world. The way that you act, the way that you live, is what people see in you and how they judge your relationship with Christ is. It's how they judge your church. It's how they judge your home. You are living out for Christ or you're ruining His reputation. We look at this passage and we see what they did. They murmured against Moses. They stood against Him. It hadn't been three months. It had been three days. And, you know, it's easy for us to look back at that and say, oh my goodness, people, you just saw such a wonderful miracle. You just saw God provide. You just saw all of your enemies crushed, and it's so easy to look at them. But the reality is we are the same way. Oh, I've been through some bitter situations. I wouldn't compare myself to any of you here because you've been through some better situations. And there's times when in my heart I immediately begin murmuring, questioning God, saying, God, where are you? God, I don't deserve this. You ever thought that? Oh, thank God we don't get what we deserve. We look at this passage and we see the reaction of the people. They murmured against Moses. They stood against him. How quickly their hearts changed. This was their testimony. 
What's yours? What's your testimony in this world? What's your testimony in your workplace? Because you know at work they see you go through trials. Anybody ever have a bad boss? Don't raise your hands. You're on video. You ever had a difficult coworker? Let's bring it home. You ever had a difficult spouse or marriage or children? Think about it for a moment. What's your testimony even in your own home when you're dealing with difficulties and trials and tribulations? Because remember, it's not just out in this world we're supposed to be shining examples. We're really good at that, let's be honest. We're really good at being church people in front of the world, but what's it like at home? Because that's what matters. That's what our families see. That's what our kids see. And hey, let's back up to the big picture, really. That's what God sees. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. And we are so guilty so often of running to this murmuring and complaining. This is the reaction of the people. And let me tell you something else as we consider moving on from this point on. There is no righteous murmuring. We seem to think sometimes that the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And in the economy of God, we think those who are loudest at complaining might get God's attention the best. That's not how God works, is it? That's not how God has designed for us to live our lives. I want you to look at the proper response with me, if you will. Look at the response of Moses. In verse 24, it says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? It's a legitimate question. They're genuinely concerned. The problem is real, but their response has been wicked. Look at the response of Moses. Verse 25, and he did what? He cried unto the Lord. You know what? You face insurmountable difficulties in this life, and you can't do a thing about most of them. You know who can? Our great God. We pray to the same God that parted the waters. We pray to the same God that raised up the child as Elijah prayed. And we pray to the same God that sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. He didn't just die. He rose again. That is my God. That is your God. And so if we have difficulties in this life, what greater response could we have to those than to cry out to God? Because He's the one that can do something about it. Let me tell you something. You're not done with troubles in this world. You know how I know? You're still breathing. As long as you're breathing, we still have troubles to come in this world. And if you've got troubles coming and you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt how you should react to them, let me ask you something. What prevents you from crying out to God in the midst of troubles? What prevents you from telling your child who you sit with and they cry as they go through the difficulties of this life, hey, little one, let's cry out to God. They don't need you to hold their hand and console them. Yes, that's important. They need you to show them how to cry out to God because our God can do something about their troubles. And if they learn at an early age to cry out to God, oh, it sets a course for the rest of their lives. You've got a coworker who's struggling with life? What if you told them, hey, I'm going to cry out to God on your behalf. Let's watch God work in your life. Well, I don't believe in God. That's all right. Let's pray. 
You take them to Jesus Christ and you show them that you know a God who can change this world. We got troubles in our missionaries' lives. I guarantee you, every face on this wall has heartaches and troubles and difficulties. We ought to be crying out to God for these people. We ought to be crying out to God with every difficulty that comes our way because you can't do anything about them. But we know a God who can. We're in this passage here, and I would love to preach a whole second message within this message, but I'm not going to take the time to do that tonight. If you go home tonight and it's a short book, read the book of Ruth. You'll meet a character named Naomi. Naomi had bitterness on top of bitterness on top of bitterness, heartache upon heartache. And when she came home to her hometown, they said, is this Naomi? She said, don't call me Naomi, you call me Mara. You recognize that word? We just read about it. She said, you call me bitterness, and I'll paraphrase. She said, God forsook me. I'm alone. I'm hopeless. I got nothing. I have nothing to praise God for. Let me ask you something. Have you ever felt that way? I've got nothing to praise God for. You may need some reminders in life. You may need to go back and see exactly what it is that Jesus Christ did for you and has been doing for you all along the way. He is mighty to save. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you have been rescued from an eternal damnation. If you had nothing else, you have a reason to praise God. I want you to take your Bibles with me to the book of Ruth. I say I'm not, and then I do, so that's how it goes. Go to the book of Ruth in chapter 4. I want you to see the end of her story because, and go home and read it. Even if you've read it before and you haven't read it in a long time, go read it because it'll encourage you. Ruth is finishing up and a wonderful love story unfolds throughout this book. Not just between Ruth and Boaz, but between Ruth and Naomi. Beautiful story of redemption. Beautiful story of salvation. Look on with me, if you will, in chapter 4 of the book of Ruth. It says in verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in unto her, for the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name, that whose name? His name, the Lord's name, may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women her neighbors gave it a name saying there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse the father of David, do you see God breaking through in her life and going beyond her wildest dreams of what could possibly come out of that bitterness she had lived through? You see, God takes us through bitterness, but He's doing something. It's not just for naught that we experience downtimes and discouragements in this world. Go back with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus. Exodus in chapter 15. I want you to see something here at the end. And I'll conclude here in just a few moments. Pastor threatened me if I didn't end on time, he'd come back. 
He said here in 25, this is Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Understand this, when God stepped in, he didn't just make the water palatable. He made it sweet. From bitterness came sweetness. God's trying to do the same thing in every one of our lives. Every time we go through difficulty, He's trying to accomplish something. Read on with me, if you will. There He made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there He proved them. You know what that word proved means? He tested them. He tried them. He examined their hearts in light of what he was trying to accomplish. And he's doing the same thing to you and to me every time we go through bitter waters. Every time we want to cry out and just say, it is Mara, it's bitterness, it's bad, it's terrible, it's horrible, I can't live like this. You know what? God's trying to accomplish something in your heart and in your life. And it's not for you. It's for his glory. Every trial you go through is for him. He's leading you somewhere. He's growing you. He's training you. He's shaping you to become what He has designed for you to be. Read on with me, if you will, in verse 27, or excuse me, 26. And said, it says, There He proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in the sight, in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and will keep all his statues. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. What is he saying here? He says, If you will, then I will. And you know, this is a consistent theme we see throughout the entirety of Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. It's always this conditional thing where if you will, then I will. And what does He want from us? He wants us to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. He wants us to live a surrendered life to Him for His name and for His glory because it's not about us anyways. It never was about us. It's all about Jesus Christ and us living a life for Him. We look in these passages here and we see that He is trying to do a great work in your life and in my life. And sometimes it's bitterness that is required to accomplish His work. He's testing us. He's proving us. He's looking to see, will you be faithful when things go better? And in the midst of it, what happens? Oh, if we react properly, if we cry out to our God and our God rushes in and delivers us again and again and again, do you see how beautiful the relationship ends up? We walk with our God. He walks with us. We have fellowship one with another and He hears and answers every time we cry out to Him. Does that mean He'll deliver us ultimately? No, not from every situation. Cancer will take the life of someone you love. Cancer may take your life. There may be a terrible car accident and you watch a loved one in ICU and they go home to be with the Lord. I'm not saying God's going to take away every trial. I'm saying in the midst of every trial, God is good and He'll grow you. And you'll learn to depend on Him more and more and more and more. God answers every prayer, but it's in a way that accomplishes His work in His way in His time. It doesn't matter what we think in the midst of it all. He says this, if you will, then I will. And then he identifies himself again to them. 
And here, in this passage in Exodus, we see that God delivers to Israel a new name for himself, a name that has never been presented before. Look with me, if you will, at the end of this passage. He says this, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is actually a proper name for God. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. Do you know that that has been God's intent for your life to bring healing over and over and over? He's good. In the midst of trials, He's good. On the mountaintops, He's good. And it doesn't matter what you've gone through or what you'll go through tomorrow. Here's what He wants you to know. If you will stay close to Me, then I will hear it when you cry out. For I am the God that heals. Have you ever met the God who heals? Do you have a personal relationship with the God who heals? What does the world see about that personal relationship? See, this is where it comes down to that personal application. We have to ask, how does this apply to me? How does this fit into my life? Do you see how God is just desiring you to have the proper reaction to the realities of this world? And in the midst of that, you have the proper relationship with Him. He is a God who heals What are you struggling with tonight? What are the burdens that you walked through these doors with? What are the hurts and what are the pains? And then let me ask you this, what have you been doing about it? Because what has He wanted all along? He's wanted you, as one of His children, to cry out to Him. And in the midst of crying out to Him, He identifies Himself and says, I am the God who heals. Tonight, as we close in a word of prayer, I don't know what you've been struggling with. I don't know what you'll be struggling with tomorrow or next week or next year, but God does. And in the midst of it, I hope you have this reminder come to your heart again and again and again. Bitterness is real. My reaction matters. My God heals. Let's go to Him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for the opportunity that you've given us to be in your house tonight. Lord, there is much brokenness in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, in our city, in our nation, and in our world. But Lord, in spite of all of the brokenness that we face, we know that you are a God who heals. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to come and cry out to you. Lord, in those moments where we Lord, where we cry out in bitterness, in the moments when we murmur, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, help us to draw close to you in times of trouble. Lord, help us to be a beacon of light in this dark world that we may draw others to Jesus Christ. Lord, again, I ask that you be with Pastor Asher and his family in this time of loss. Comfort them and bring them a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, and for others who are dealing with loss now, Lord, we know that you're present in those situations as well. We just ask for comfort and healing. Be with Brother Brown tomorrow as he presents a, a, uh, Lord, an opportunity to preach your word to maybe those who have never heard or never heeded. Pray that you would do a mighty work in those lives. And Lord, be with the other requests that we have on our hearts tonight. We love you. And we humbly ask all of these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the
Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.